This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com Ryan Kroll of Boundless Endurance Coaching is our guest for episode 46. Ryan's love for running ultra distances and exploring the mountains ignites his passion for showing people how to enjoy a lifestyle centered around fitness and health. With over 50 ultramarathon finishes of his own and two sixth place finishes in the multi-race Leadman Challenge, Ryan and his group of coaches at Boundless helped over 40 of their coached athletes cross the finish line at the 2022 Leadville 100 run. We talk about how the physical takes you through mile 60, but the mental gets you through the last 40. And we talk about what it means to be on the green team and how that translates to success in such a grueling race. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. What's up, Ryan? Hey. Good to have you on the show. This is uh, this is episode uh, 46, but it's really, in a way, kind of episode one of uh, me coming back to this. So I took a little hiatus and uh, rebranded this faster forward and stuff. So super excited to have you on the show. So thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. So today we have Ryan Kroll. Uh, Ryan is a, I know you've at least finished Leadman twice, right? Did you do the whole Leadman twice or more than that? Uh, twice for twice. Leadman, yep. Okay, so Leadman finisher, uh, you placed sixth in that twice, and we'll get into what Leadman is in a second. Uh, it's much bigger than it actually sounds. Uh, in addition to four-time Leadville 100 finisher amongst 50-plus uh, other ultramarathon finishes to your credit, most recently, you have um, you had around I think it was forty ish of your coached athletes finish Leadville one hundred run, which is about a seventy percent finish rate. So you are a uh, an ultra runner, an ultra endurance athlete, and now well not now but for a while now have been a pretty high level endurance racing coach. So kind of wanted to bring you in, talk to you from the athlete perspective, but also from the coaching perspective and. And uh, just, you know, swap some stories and, and hear from you about uh, all the benefits of endurance running and endurance coaching. So, welcome. Yeah, I got stories. Thanks. <laughs> nice. So, let's start with that. So, as a, as a runner, let, what is a little bit of, you know, your, your running or racing background, I guess, going back as far as you want to go? Have you always been, you know, like, were you a track athlete, cross country? No, I, I wrestled through high school and always was really into like staying in shape. Like I devoured like every men's health magazine, which is always like fascinated about fitness and, uh, but was like partying and drinking too much in college. So I started like running on a regular basis, like senior year of college. Okay. Um, and then was always really intrigued by like how far you can go. 
So after college, I started with like triathlon. I had a boss out of college that had done an Ironman. It was like, oh my God, what is that? I had no idea and like kind of went down that rabbit hole. And I remember asking that boss, like, do you think I could do it? Yeah. <laughs> and he gave me the the confidence. And um, so, yeah, I started with like triathlon with the, with the goal of being doing an Ironman eventually post-college. Well, when, when you say, do you think I could do this? And then he gave you the confidence that I, I kind of had a similar thing. I'd been fascinated by triathlon, you know, through the eighties and, and early nineties and stuff, but just, I, I also wrestled and kind of played the more traditional ball sports and things. And I just thought like triathlon was so far above me, even though, you know, I'd done difficult things and it wasn't until I went to my first triathlon and realized like, oh, okay. You know, I, I, I had never done a, an Ironman, just, uh, I don't really have a lot of interest in that level, but the, uh, you know, I love Olympic distance. I love sprints, you know, like what was it in you that that moment of sort of doubt, which then gave you confidence to go out and try it for you? Yeah, it was just like so foreign to me at the time. Like, um, just to, I remember, like I looked up the the movie. I think I ordered it online and watched like one of the Iron Man movies, and they do such a good job of making it this like super inspiring thing. <laughs> like the I never want to do an, and I, the story. I and, never want to do an Iron Man yeah. until I watch one of those damn YouTube clips. Or, or I, I went to a Challenged Athletes oh, Foundation dinner and they played the video, and just like God, I gotta do one of these. Yeah. So, yeah, I was. I don't know. So yeah, I had a little bit of hesitation, but yeah, kind of same story. Like once I jumped in, I was like, oh, you've created a monster. It's funny because I actually ended up like quitting that job. It was like my first job out of college because I was like so falling in love with these endurance sports. I was like, I can't sit at a desk all day. Yeah. So that's kind of what inspired. I was living in Chicago at the time. Then I moved out to Oregon um, and then fell in love with the outdoors even more being living outside of Portland. That was your approach then to hire a coach and kind of, you know, do it quote unquote the right way. Or did you, did you go it alone? I went at it alone. Um, I read as much books as possible. And like, um, there's like these compilation books of like different ultra running stories and, um, Ironman stories. And then like a lot of people, I picked up the book born to run, mm -hmm. which is like in its heyday at the time. This yeah. is like 2009, probably 2008. And um, I was like, what is this? And it was like already on to the next thing. So I finished my first Ironman. I did Madison, Wisconsin. And it was hard. It was challenging. It was amazing. And my family came up to support. It was really cool. Um, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Mm. And, and then I, living in Oregon, I went and volunteered at a 100-mile run around Mount Hood. And I was like, what is, this is nuts. And I remember like going to sleep and like thinking like they're still out there and waking up and be like, they're still out there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I just wanted a piece of that. I was like, this is, and so I had signed up for the bear 100 as my first hundred in Utah. Yeah. Uh, right after that. So I think that was like 2011. So, so was it, I mean, Iron Man obviously isn't easy. What, what was it about sort of the leap from Iron Man? And that, you know, kind of 12 hour effort ish, you know, to a 24, 36 type hour effort. Was it the, was it the single discipline? Was it just the, the sort of open-ended nature of, of, of trail running? I think it was like being in nature was yeah. the big point. Like 
Mount Hood is beautiful. Oregon's beautiful. Like I was, I was doing, I started doing runs on like the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm. I always loved like looking at maps and like, you know, studying maps and linking stuff up. And, and it had this like allure of like, how far can you take it? And, um, and this like wild sense of like, you know, I'd be on the Pacific Crest Trail like in the wintertime and wouldn't see a soul off. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Jason Hardrath by any chance? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. He's the king of FKTs. He's done, he had just reached 100 FKTs a couple months back. He's been on the show. He's actually going to be on again next week or, or in two weeks, I think. Um, but but he he gave a similar response, which was just that there, there is something to that, you know, sort of off the beaten path. Like it, it's not so much the the distance or the time, just as much as the freedom of, you know, just new places. And, and for him, it's really about kind of going where other people haven't gone or, you know, going there faster, and, you know, longer, harder mm-hmm. that type of thing. I think another thing too, when I, when I first started diving in, making that transition from like triathlon to the trail running scene was like the community was a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the triathlon community is great, but it's a little bit more competitive, yeah. you know, and, um, there's a lot of like, you know, finisher t-shirts and tattoos and stuff. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Porsches like with trip. bike racks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do the trail running scene. I remember it was like, you know, this this new scary thing and like just feeling super welcomed. Um, there was this race director, Sean Meisner, who um, was out there and in Oregon. And I just remember feeling like super welcomed. It's mm. cool. Why do you think that is with that, that community, especially versus because, you know, I, when I first started getting into triathlon, I, 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 one of the things that I loved about it was the community and especially like the local tri shop felt like the local guitar shop when I was a kid, you know, just like mm-hmm. that kind of inside baseball. And I don't know if it was a transition over time or certainly, you know, it's kind of like, I think you have like cyclists, then triathletes, then, you know, sort of like your road runners and then your trail runners are way, you know, to the opposite end of the spectrum. What do you think it right. is like about the personality of triathletes versus that ultra running community, especially? Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, it's kind of a chicken in the egg, people. like what draws a person or what changes a yeah. person, you know? Yeah. Cause then you have these, like, these kind of like icons in the sport. Like when I think of trail running, I think of like Anton Kropitschka and like who I, I read his blog since like 2009. It was like mm-hmm. a big inspiration, big inspiration to move the boulder. Um, but yeah, you think of individuals like that and you're like, Oh, and I think that might draw in a certain crowd or like kind of paints the picture of what it's like. Yeah. And then gra- gravel racing is kind of like that. Now I feel like it's kind of like you have these road cyclists and then there's these people that are pulled more to this, like more fringe sport of, yeah you know drinking beer and wearing flannel after and stuff well yeah a lot of mustaches <laughs> so many mustaches <laughs> so many mustaches yeah. so you you so you transitioned from um from iron man over into uh ultra like were you thinking um kind of right away the 100 miler type of you know big big effort yeah that was like the um the big goal, right. was like, I set that as a goal year out. And then I was just really enjoying like 50 K distance. And, um, my first 50 milers, the white river 50, um, outside of Mount Rainier, <clears throat> another like beautiful 
and that was like the heyday of ultra running. Like I was just getting into it when I was like, when I did uh, white river, it was like Scott Jurek was there. Anton Kropichka was there. Um, you know, Uli Steidel of, uh, who has a record up right here and like all these like, you know, amazing icons of the Pacific Northwest and trail running. Cause that, that's also kind of shifted to like when I lived in the Pacific Northwest, it was kind of like Seattle seven running store. And then it kind of moved to Boulder. And now mm. it's kind of Flagstaff. Like you had these like trail running meccas that have mm. kind of moved around. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was like in the center of something. Yeah. Like, like, like when you hear about like, you know, professional surfers feel like, Oh, I was like right there when it all yeah. started. That's how I feel with ultra running. Which is yeah. Cool. It's, it's an interesting thing with endurance sports in general, where, you know, tries for the most part, but certainly, you know, these races where, you know, you're, you're literally lining up with the Michael Jordans and, you know, the mm-hmm. whatever Serena Williams of, of your sport and you're running the same course, you're running at the same time. I mean, if you want to, you know, try to try to hang with Courtney Dowalter for a couple of miles, you can, you can, you can try it, you know, but it's really yeah. special in that regard where you can see them, you know, they're again, like you're, you're doing the exact same course in the exact same way. Right. Yeah. And it really like, and you feel it too. You're like, when you look at the times, you know, and you're like, like, Oh my God, I just covered the same course and they did it hours faster. Like yeah. how is that? <laughs> so yeah. you have a, a true sense of, of what an accomplishment it is. Have you seen that video wall where it's, um, I think it's a New York marathon has it where you can run. It's got like uh Meb or somebody running and then you try to run with it. I mean, you're like oh, on that treadmill. Yeah. 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 It's an absolute <laughs> yeah, dead sprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get a sense. So, <clears throat> so you go, you also coachless at this point, you're, you're just basically winging it and. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Never. I, I designed my own program. It's like this weird, like, <laughs> like alter ego <laughs> of like all, and I'm super intrinsically motivated. So I'll write a program and follow it to the T, which is really weird. Mm. It's like, <laughs> how far out are you yeah. writing that program? Do you kind of sit down six months out or, or something like that. And, and, or, or are you adjusting um, as you go? Just adjusting as I'll go. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a loose outline and I'll try to hit, hit a couple of like quality workouts per week if I'm training for something specific. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it helps to, to, and I'll put it in my calendar. I'll put it in my work calendar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty good at it. I don't really need a. I, I've definitely wanted a coach, especially I've I've made a transition the last few years doing more mountain biking and gravel biking, and mm. um, I've purchased a, a couple plans which I've used, which have been it's like a part educational experience, and, and I always like to go through different training programs too before I like prescribe them. Yeah, and it, and it just feels it gives you a better sense of what it's like. So, so going back to so like kind of stay in that athlete mindset as you're transitioning from triathlon, you're going into, you know, this kind of ultra running scene, how, like, how are you looking at it in terms of, are you just like, Hey, what's an upcoming race I want to go do? Are you thinking about it at a seasonal level? Are you looking for kind of bucket list types of things? Like how scientific are you being in this? And then let's get in just kind of like what worked, what didn't work. Um, good experiences mm-hmm. and bad in those early days. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy because like now there's um, all these books, right? Like, um, you know, started with like Hal Kerner's book was a big ultra running, like like a how to guide, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and Chrissy Mail and Jason Coop and like all these these books are have come out now of like how to create a program. And there wasn't a lot of science behind it. Like I remember, like I had this like I found it on the internet, like <laughs> like some site, and, like printed it off and. Um, yeah, it was a ton of like trial and error. It was a ton of overuse injury. Mm. Like I've I've gone through the gamut when it comes to like IT band was the first big one and plantar fasciitis and Achilles and yeah. runner's knee and like I've been through every single one. So um and then I was um <clears throat> got really into to personal training and strength training and um and mostly that was just to like solve the problem of overuse injuries of running and gotten to be like an expert in that just because i've experienced all that um, listeners of the show will be bored with me talking about my it and uh (laughs) plantar fasciitis injuries that so i was training for silver rush i think it was last year um and Mm -hmm. i got to about 30 miles and i just couldn't like my quality of life was just miserable like I, i couldn't get out of bed every day i was limping to the bathroom every morning i mean it was just at some point my wife and I was just like, what the hell? Like this is for, I don't know if I'm just not built for it or whatever it is, or if I just have, it is the it. most frustrating injury out yeah. of all. There's like five most common ones. And it band, um, is like, is the one that plagued me the longest. I mean, it was like a year. I remember taking like, you know, those one, those things that you get at the run store. It like goes mm-hmm. around your knee yep. and being at the track and like taking it and like, throwing it in the parking <laughs> lot and like just yeah. being so frustrated because it sneaks up on you too right like you could run a mile or two and you're like oh i feel okay and yeah. it slowly tightens up and it feels feels structural yep that's a terrible feeling yeah i would um you know marshall mesa so it was like a 16 mile loop i think and i i would every time like 10 12 miles i would feel amazing and then mm-hmm. I would like even shut it down early to say, okay, you know, don't push it. Don't be stupid. You know, I'd like walk down the steep downhills, things like that, trying to save myself. And then like within a quarter mile, it would just go from zero to 11. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just like, there's nothing more, you know, there's coming from like wrestling or whatever, there's injury and you're like, oh shit, I injured myself. But running right. is just like, an like acute injury. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you, it, 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 there's just like devil's hand just, you know, in your face. Like, I'm not going to let you pass mm-hmm. this, you know? Yeah. It's funny because when people get like a twisted ankle or they break a toe on a rock or something, I'm like, acute injuries are almost better because yeah. you, you know the problem, right? Like, you know exactly what caused it. Whereas, yeah, IT band, something like that, you have to solve this like biomechanical issue. Right? Yeah. Um, it can be super frustrating. And so did you uh, have like a, what did you study in college? Did you have some sort of background? No, it was just okay. marketing background. And then, oh, interesting. um, and then I got a, uh, some certifications for, for personal training and stuff. And then okay. was just such a student of it. And, and it was just like self-education for all that. Chemo walked me through your leg workout a couple of years ago and I was sore for a week it, and it was, it was like all kind of yeah. body weight. And like, maybe we were using like a 25 dumbbell, 25 pound dumbbell and like a goblet squat kind of thing. Uh-huh. Nothing felt hard at the time, but Holy smokes. I was so, uh, I was so sore. Is that kind of how you worked through it? Was it a lot of just like strength training versus, you know, stretching or, or something else? I think a lot of it's like individualized, right? Like, uh, certain muscles and 
um, become imbalanced and, um, you know, whether you sit at a desk or, and then like, for me, like my peroneal tendons on like the side of my legs get super tight. My, my feet go out and like, you just learn your body and you learn these things that over time, and then you kind of learn like your limit, um, as far as like volume goes and, and mileage and, um, but I, yeah, I have a huge passion for like designing strength programs and, um, yeah, it's super fun. So like something like it, you know, I oftentimes kind of what you just said, where for me personally, what was happening was my, I lacked flexibility on my left side. And so when I would bring my heel up, my knee would sort of flare out. And so there's a mm -hmm. flexibility issue there, but when you like, would you try to fix your gait and, and make, um, I guess, uh, not structural, but I guess, yeah, structural changes in how you run, or do you just try to build strength and stretch around those, you know, cause like an old dog, new tricks type of thing, how much should you go? I guess we're getting into the coaching side of things a little bit, but like how, how much do you try to change what you're doing versus strengthening the things that you're already doing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's mostly just like strengthening in the correct ways, right? Like it's mostly like nine out of 10 running injuries are like a medial glute or some sort of like glute weakness. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's doing those. Um, and it's, I, I'm always looking for like the three ingredients, right? It's like you need some aerobic training, which we get plenty of you know, as endurance athletes, but then you need some sort of like stretching mobility. And there's a lot of different ways, whether it's yoga or Pilates or whatever. Um, and then you need some sort of like weight bearing strength or, or, you know, progressed strength program. And, um, as long as you have those three ingredients, usually you can solve those issues. And how, how do you, cause you know, that was the thing doing triathlon was always, you had like swim, bike, run, lift, stretch, you know, five things. and everybody that I knew was always like, well, you get to the swim bike run, you never skimp on those. And then you never, you never, sometimes you strength train and then you never stretched, you know? Like, yeah. How do you stay disciplined to that? If you're, you know, obviously it's easier when you just have like one discipline, but how do you stay disciplined building that into a, into a routine? I've gotten better over the years of like being more like seasonal and like, mm -hmm. and periodized. So like, you know, especially, you know, we both live in Colorado it helps to have a winter time, you know, cause that then, then I'm doing like two strength classes or two strength workouts per week. I'm going to a yoga class and, and then more when it gets into like race season or summertime and you're training a lot, um, then you're kind of like bulletproof. Right. And then you're, mm -hmm. you're more ready to, uh, take on the higher volume and, um, you know, you've, 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 uh, solved all those muscle imbalance problems and mobility problems through the winter time ideally interesting interesting so how, <laughs> yeah. how scientific are you about like the muscle imbalances and uh, you know are you are you getting to like power meters to like really dial that in or how are you or, or just more like feel and that type of thing because i mean we yeah all have those imbalances feel. right yeah yeah and they're they're so common like yeah there's like 15 exercises if you just do those like usually solves the problem got it got it how did you, how did you kind of make this transition over from, you know, this kind of marketing background from college, you obviously have a passion for kind of doing things the right way. You know, is this something where like you're, 
you're building up a skill around your own racing, you're helping some friends, and then that sort of, because as long as I've known you, which I guess is about five or six years now, you've been a coach. Mm -hmm. Well, that's at least how I've known you. Um, like, how did you make that transition out into uh, just being a full-time coach? Um, I had some success, like, as a personal trainer. Um, there's one guy that stands out that I worked with in, in Oregon, and um, I helped him lose over 100 pounds. Mm. Um, and then he went on to do the Where's Waldo 100K. And after that, he gained a bunch of confidence, self-confidence and met his wife and like started living this more practical lifestyle and healthy lifestyle. And, um, he was one of like probably 10 people that I've, I've really feel like I had an impact in their lives and changed their lives. Um, and so that <clears throat> just felt super rewarding and kind of just set me on this path. And I've slowly, you know, moved away from you know, years ago, I moved away from the personal training now to like strictly endurance coach and having this like niche with, with the Leadville race series and that sort of thing. But it all just boils down to like getting people outdoors, um, setting crazy goals. I feel like when you, you ask someone that's like 300 pounds to run a hundred K, they're like, what? <laughs> You're <laughs> nuts. But it, it sets this like audacious, crazy goal. And then somehow it it falls into place and it works whereas if you said this like i'm going to do the backyard 5k goal yeah. you know it just doesn't have that same life altering influence like something like the level 100 does or yeah. uh, iron man or other ultras I, so. do you know ethan supley the guy he was on like my name is earl he was in uh, i think american history x hollywood actor lost yeah yeah, like, yeah two, 300 pounds. Oh yes. Yes. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. He was, he was saying something about, and this is something that like, cause I've known a lot of like really big guys, mainly big guys, um, who have lost not like that kind of transformative weight, but I've always just been amazed at that engine. And I always surmised that like carrying 300 pounds, you know, like nobody's built 300 pounds or very few people, but you're, you know, you're carrying an extra hundred pounds as horrible as that obviously is on your body. You're also, you've got to be building massive amounts of, of muscle and strength and power and aerobic capacity in doing so. So when they strip this weight out, I would assume you've just got to have this diesel engine just <laughs> raring to, to roar, you know? Yeah. And also like I've seen, I think endurance sports and especially like ultra endurance sports um they're really uh conducive to like people with addictive personalities and mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times if, you, if you're so it draws in like people with like alcoholism or drug yeah. addicts or or extremely overweight because those are the addictive people and then all you got to do is just funnel that energy into another crazy sport yeah and, and again it, it can't be like well, I'm just going to do with 10 Ks on the weekends. Like it has to be nuts, you know, to feed that addictive all, all or nothing personality trait. Yeah. Have you, have you dug into that with like a, from a psychological aspect or worked with any psychologists or spoken with any psychologists? Because there's, there's two approaches to that. One is, is try to fix the addictive behavior, which I surmise is maybe impossible versus, mm -hmm. you know, redirecting and rechanneling that addiction into something, um, 
maybe healthier. I don't know. There are some people I'm sure who would argue, right. you know, running hundred, you know, 200 miles maybe isn't healthy, but, um, certainly more healthy than doing, you know, drugs and, and porn and alcohol and everything else that, uh, you know, that you could sink your addictions into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, um, I've seen it firsthand work that it just funneling it into, or, or yeah, redirecting it into another outlet. Um, is super helpful. Yeah. And has, and can definitely work. What is the, and, and do you, have you had experience of sort of relapse with, with some of your clients where, you know, you redirect for a time where Leadville maybe, you know, or, or some race like that keeps their attention, but then, you know, it, it, they go back into dark places and, and, and how have you dealt with that if you have? Yeah. No, I absolutely have seen that. I've, I've had a couple athletes that have had um, amazing success and then kind of gotten off track. And it's tough. Like, it's a, I feel like it's a constant battle. It's like drawing them back in, trying to help them. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely happened before. Is it Generally, it's like, what's next? It's like you got to find that, that next inspirational goal. Yeah, that's that's um, what I was going to Which ask. is hard when, once once they've done something as big as like Leadville. Um, <laughs> it's like, what's next? And then they're like, I already checked that box, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would assume if you're, if you're going at it sort of from that endorsing, endorphin chasing perspective where it's not necessarily like I want to just get faster at Leadville or, you know, the next hundred or whatever, but it's like this you're chasing that thrill, um, you know, maybe, maybe the next thing after Leadville is like your base jumping L off of L cap or something crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. One thing too, that I've noticed that like, when I look back on those folks that have made these big life changes was like, they had to identify with it. Like they had to identify as a runner, like, like I'm a runner, mm. you know, or I'm an athlete or I'm someone that goes to the gym. And I always saw that transition once, once they were able to identify with it. Like I remember having this guy who again, lost a ton of weight, you know, did tons of ultra marathons, really successful, had a, a really fit, um, or a really, um, like he, physiologically he was able to get fit really easy mm -hmm. but i remember he was like embarrassed to run outside because mm -hmm. like people would see him running outside and i always thought that was interesting yeah and then eventually he got used to it and i think that was kind of like when he was like you're right whatever he did like like it was his fifth marathon or ultra or whatever like it finally flipped the switch like i can call myself a runner now wow. and i can run outside and be kind of like proud of it and um yeah, it was interesting to watch that. That's that and I'm sorry, I missed the progress. first part. Was he overweight? Was what was it that he didn't identify with? Yeah, he was just he was yeah. overweight. Yeah, and he had always been like an athlete in his life, but like never couldn't identify as a runner for whatever reason. But eventually, finally, he you know it just clicked. He was like, "You're right, I am a runner." Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's um you know as somebody who has never had a problem with. I wouldn't even call it confidence, just but that sort of like seeing yourself, you know, I, I, I'm a person who loves to try new things. And I certainly recognize when I'm a novice and, you know, don't know mm -hmm. what the hell I'm doing, but I kind of enjoy that process. And I, I've talked to a lot of people on the podcast or in general in life and, you know, uh, women, especially who are just terrified to walk into a gym even, you know, and use a yeah. piece of equipment. It's like, gosh, you just don't, you know, one, like you, 
you got to realize like how capable you are. But two is most of the people in the gym are there to, you know, I mean, they would love to help you and probably to a point of mansplaining, you know, like something that you're already knowing how to right. do, but it really is tough. And I would assume as a coach, a big part of your job is getting a lot of your clients over that hump of like seeing yourself as a runner or as a, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's good. Like I'm kind of the same way. Like I'll try anything, you know, but I remember like surfing for the first time and I'm a terrible surfer. <laughs> like <laughs> not even be able to stand up and just like scorpion underwater and just like, and I remember telling myself after trying surfing, I was like, I will never make fun or laugh at a, a new skier ever again. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's yeah, humbling. It is. Yeah. I mean, and it's, 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 especially when you're not battling somebody else. Like it's one thing to walk into, you know, like you and I wrestlers, you know, I've, I've picked up judo later in life and, Mm -hmm. Yes, you're a novice, and but you're getting your ass kicked by another person who either is or isn't a novice also, you know, but you're like mm -hmm. you're battling something tangible and physical in your face versus a perception, which has got to be a thousand times more difficult to overcome because, you know, like if I can overcome, if I can, you know, take this guy down or flip them or, you know, whatever, okay, I score a point in my mind versus mm -hmm. I don't know when that like there is no switch to flip when you walk into a gym and you feel like you don't belong. Like it, what I got pretty point? good as a personal trainer of like putting myself in other people's shoes, like and making them feel welcome and reminding myself, like I live at this health club, like yeah. I feel comfortable here, but this is, yeah, they're scared. They're, they have a wall up, right? Like they don't want help. Like, um, I got pretty good at breaking that down and just making them feel welcome and letting them know that it's a good space to like just better. And not, not everyone's looking at you, you know, like, yeah. 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 It's interesting. What, um, so going from, I guess, you know, you've got somebody, I mean, I, I would assume some of your people that you were working with in the club then ultimately went on to, you know, be endurance athletes and things like, what is that? Is that on it? How much of a part does a coach play in that versus just the athlete kind of, you know, going through these series of transitions? Cause whether you're going from, I don't feel comfortable, comfortable to a gym to, I'm going to go do a, you know, a 5k to a, I don't, I don't know if I can do a 5k to now I'm going to run a hundred miler, you know, like how much mm -hmm. of the coaching aspect is that kind of mental psychological aspect versus the physical teaching? Yeah, I, I always saw so much success with with people in the health club and just people in general. You need a goal, right? Like, um, and that's why I was always trying to bridge the gap between like the lifetime health clubs and like the events business was because I saw the success that if you're just going to lose weight or you're going to lose weight for a wedding or a family reunion or you know that's just so temporary. But when you have these <clears throat> other goals mentally it gives everything in the health club or gives running outside it gives everything purpose right so i was a huge like proponent of anyone that i'm at I'm like you need an event i don't care what it is <laughs> like you need yeah. you know you need something um and that seemed to work yeah 
Yeah, that's certainly, I mean, we, we, I'm good friends with the training peaks guys. We certainly experienced it at Athlinks. Like when, when people had a goal and they were, you know, working toward that goal, engagement, all of these other things were off the charts. And the second they didn't have that upcoming race planned, they, you know, all of that yeah, stuff drops off. Yeah. yeah, for sure. What's, um, I guess we've silently kind of transitioned in into this coaching aspect. And so, you know, the the question that I've always had, and, and you and I talked a little bit pre-show about this, is I think everybody sort of intuits that, hey, I should have a coach. And whether it's expense or something else, the vast majority of us trying to accomplish big things, whether it's in endurance sports or business or life in general, it's, you know, most of us don't have coaches for those types of things. And as you just mm -hmm. said, like you have to have an event on the calendar. So even at a life coaching thing, like you have to have these milestones in your life to build toward, to develop skills and keep yourself focused on those types of things. What, you know, if I'm, if I'm just starting out in, in this, Hey, you know, I want to, you know, whether it's, I want to get into triathlon or ultra running or whatever, let's talk a little bit just about like, where you see the benefits of coaching um, versus kind of going it alone, shortening that process or, you know, you know, whether it's it, you know, avoiding injury, going fat, you know, all of those different, the, the benefits, but from a person where I, I, cause I'm, I'm very fascinated by your kind of journey from not coming specifically, like you didn't study it in college and, you know, uh, you know, like you don't really have the scientific background of a lot of coaches, but you just had this kind of passion as a runner and then, you know, kind of going forward, like how, how did you make that transition? What are the values that you see in coaching that you can impart on your athletes? Mm -hmm. So now we, we get a, a unique crowd that like that signs up for ultras or signs up for the Leadville 100 run or mountain bike that are like the pinnacle of like, maslow's hierarchy of needs right like they've <laughs> they've achieved a lot in their life they're successful in career they're successful in family and it's kind of like what's next like i remember sitting at a finish line at an ironman and they were announcing their their careers and it was like uh doctor doctor dentist mm -hmm. like um you know c c level executive yeah um and so you get these like highly motivated people so i think uh, um which is a lot of what our athletes are now. And it, it's a lot of uh, working in their schedule around their busy lives, um, almost like an executive assistant. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of it too is like um, when you sign up for something like an Ironman or a marathon or ultra, it's like you always have this sense like I'm not doing enough, right? Okay. And I think there's a, there's a lot of value in a coach coming in and being like, this is what you need to do and this is enough. Like I promise you, and then that's gonna give you the confidence when you line up to the start line that um, you've done enough. Like it's just you don't know because there's just like yeah, you get you give these um, you know check these boxes, and then the other one is just like injury prevention. You know, it's like that's always the first priority is to to do just enough where you get fit to complete your event, but you don't show up with like an overuse injury yeah. and to how, how to best design this program and periodize this program around your cr crazy life and other events. And yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, going back to your 70% finish rate at the last Leadville, I mean, that I think Leadville has something like a 60% DNF rate, if I'm not mistaken, 70%, I think. Um, like 45% um, usually finish. Okay, so 55% uh, yeah. DNF. Okay, so I was a little high, mm -hmm. but still. So at 70, you're, you're definitely um, bucking the curb. To go to your second point, overtraining versus undertraining, I would assume is a huge problem for a lot of people like breaking off these massive efforts because you have no idea how much you're supposed to be training. And I, I feel like that's maybe one of the things that I have done uh, to my detriment for years is just, I, I just never know when not to, you know, I just, I feel like I have to bury myself every single session. Yeah. And it's really individualized too. Like I've seen mm. I mean, I've been coaching Leadville for like 12 years now, and it's I've seen folks that their peak volume was like 50 miles. Like that was their their biggest week was a 50 mile week. Wow. To to folks, um, generally people doing doing Leadville or the first hundred, their their peak volume is right around like 70 miles, give or take. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's just good to remind folks that like there's a lot of different ways to get there. You know, it's really individualized. If you're a collegiate runner, your program is going to look much different than like the woman in HR who, you know, didn't, doesn't necessarily have a sports background. Yeah. Um, and how, so, do, yeah. how do you know that throughout the journey? Like when you, you know, let's say you're, you're coaching me, like, how do you know how hard to push me, how little to push me, how much, you know, all of those things. Is it just my, the response that my body is having? Yeah, it's like looking back at like what you've done the last few years. It's yeah, the response. It's if you are getting overuse injuries, if you're, you know, uh, not sleeping well or feeling agitated, and like um, there's lots of little metrics. You know, we all of our coaches use uh, training peaks that you can track, but a lot of it's just like you know feedback and yeah. and how you're feeling, and, and then of course getting the results too. If, if you're getting faster and you're getting better and, um, and you're healthy, something's, something's going right. Are you always kind of trying to push right up against that limit of, of injury and, and, you know, heart rate and all that stuff? Or are you, is there like a, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we coach like all sorts of events and, but a lot of our athletes, most of our athletes are Leadville based. So Again, we we work in like a year time frame with most folks. So yeah, it's like I've had individuals that have gone from twelve miles being their longest run ever of their whole life mm. to finishing the Leadville within a year. Wow! So there is a lot of like, all right, we got to cram this in, <laughs> get you, <laughs> and get you fit within a year. Which it's like a, you know, like I don't, I, I was like five six years into my endurance journey before doing like an ultra and before doing a hundred, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, but, and are those people, are those people freaks? Are they outliers? Is it, I mean, you know, cause again, going back to my own journey and part of this is selfish. So I apologize to the listeners, but you know, but like, I, I think I'm a pretty mentally tough person and I've just gotten to this point of like, I want to do, you know, my favorite endurance experience in my life has been pacing 
um, Kent at Leadville. And I only, you know, I think it was with him for 15 miles. It was freaking magical. I would love to do Leadville 100, but I just can't, like I'm my body. And I, again, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, if there are things to fix or whatever, but I've just like, there's a place in my brain that looks at these people and just like, well, you, it's like a binary. It's like one of three things is going to happen. One is you're just a person who can do it and it's no problem. And like you were just born to do this. The other side is you're just willing to suffer so much pain and agony that it's like, what is your quality of life? And then third is like, it feels like my category, which is you just can't freaking do it, which is not a place I like to be. So, you know, the person who can go from 12 miles to a hundred, like, do, have you coached people who just, they just can't do it? Like their body just says, no, you're not going to do this. Or do you feel like everybody's got this in them? I mean, within reason, obviously. It's tough. Like it's so mental. Like Ken Clover, the founder of Leadville, he's always like, you know, the physical gets you to mile 60 Yeah. and, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and then your mental gets you the rest of the way. And there's so much truth to that. Um, and it, you know, like we, we were supporting athletes out there this year and we had a, a tent set up at twin lakes, which is mile 60 or mile 40 outbound mile 60 inbound. And it's, it really is. It's like, we just got to get people to mile 60. Like, and, and then I feel like it's like, now it's up to you. Like, mm. um, because the cutoffs are, are pretty strict at Leadville yeah. compared to other mountain hundreds. So that's, that's tough. Like I feel there's a lot of folks that absolutely could gut it out and, and hike it in and finish, but the cutoffs are strict. Yeah. So, um, there needs to be like a, a level of like leg speed and being able to run the flats and, and that sort of thing. But it's hard to train the mental part or it's hard to know. Um, like I, I train like a world champion, uh, UFC fighter. And then the same year I trained this woman who was 50 years old, um, some experience in endurance and she worked like HR for GE. Mm. And that year I was like, Oh, I was like this guy, um, Pat Militich. I don't know. He's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. UFC. Yeah. Um, and he's an amazing athlete. He put in the work, but like fell and hurt his knee. So it's a, it's a, there's a side story, but I was like, oh, he's going to finish. Like, this guy, <laughs> he's like, choked yeah. people to death. And then he didn't finish. And I was like, shocked. And then the woman from, you know, HR finished and she's tough as nails. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So you just don't know. Like, people have like these internal motivators that just, they will not quit. And yeah. I saw it again this year. And every year I'm like, I have my roster of athletes and all the coaches have their roster. And, you know, we're kind of like, who, who put in the work? Who who do we think has the mental capacity? And then it's a surprise every year. Like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's fun. It's got to be such a magical, like, just that experience right there, where this this you know, it's like a client. You where you're obviously you want a hundred percent finish rate, but you have to have in the back of your mind, like, okay you're always sizing your clients up like this person probably will finish that person won't. And then the, the people who surprise you to the positive has got to be just so rewarding. Yeah. And, and over the years I've gotten a lot better at like seeing trends and like reminding people like, um, you know, it's super hot that day. And they're like, I don't know if I want to run. It's like, you, you just, you train your brain through the training process of just doing shit. You don't want to do Yeah, <laughs> because that's all mile 60 is. It's like, I don't want to do that. Like, and you just, it's just this mental battle of like, I don't want to do that. You just keep 
throughout the training process. Like there's two trails and you come to a fork in the road and one goes up and one goes down. Yeah. You know, you, you're constantly training your brain to do the harder thing. And, and that seems to work. Well, that's a good point. So do you like in your, in, in the course of, um, training these athletes, do you start to find, you know, cracks and, and start to fill those cracks in? Are you aware of them going forward? You know what I mean? Like, if, like, like an athlete like me, for instance, you know, like, again, I think I had like pretty severe injuries. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel like going any, far. I mean, literally mine were like at 18, 20 miles. Like I could not physically walk anymore. My IT would be screaming so mm-hmm. badly, but, but so not talking about that, but just like, do you start to, do your spidey senses start to go off as you're training an athlete, you know, a few months out saying, wait a second, like the language you're using or the darkness in your mind, that type of thing. Yeah. And you could just see it like devotion to the program. Mm-hmm. Like in, I mean, I'm, you're familiar with training peaks, the, yeah. the software that we use for coaching athletes, like it turns green when an athlete completes the workout and we, we, all the coaches have adapted the same, the green team and the, the athletes that turn all their workouts green. We, we celebrate, you know, like, uh, every few weeks or, uh, so there's a huge correlation with folks that are on the green team and do all their workouts and folks that finish too. Um, so yeah, you start to see, and then it's like, there's other ways, like, you know, like I get a lot of athletes that want to like replicate what that's going to feel like. Like, they're so curious. Like, yeah. what does mile 60 feel like? Yeah, we well, can't replicate that in training, right? Yeah. It's so hard. But what you can do is like two mile repeats or uh, a hill tempo and run up Sanitas and Boulder because all that's doing is um, you want to stop. You want to go slower. So it's, again, it's just like a, a condensed mental training like besides the physiological benefits of doing like a tempo effort it's also just brain training like all you want to do is slow down yeah so how much do metrics come in in a race like leadville are you are like are you running to heart rate and things like that or is it at a certain point it just becomes so mental over physical um I mean, it's at altitude so it really screws up metrics like yeah. I had a power meter on my mountain bike for the, the the hundred mountain bike the last couple of years. And I'm like, this data is so <laughs> useless right now. <laughs> like, or I'm just so weak. A power meter's um, broken. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, it, it's important to stay aerobic and really easy, especially in the beginning of Leadville. Like, um, so yeah, th- there's metrics that you can use, but you just got to really pair it up with perceived effort. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Set How, yourself up for success early. At a, at a race like that, because a lot of these ultras are, are, are at a certain level of altitude. <clears throat> How important and, and what do you, what do you suggest to your athletes? Like how, how quickly should they get or how far out from the race itself should, should people be acclimating at a, you know, at, at Leadville or, or maybe at Denver type of altitudes and things? Yeah, it's hard. Cause like, even for us, like living in the front range, like you can't acclimate to, to Leadville. Yeah. Um, Leadville's so like, like 10,000 right at the start. Yep. And it goes up to like 12, six. Um, but you can experience it. I mean, I, I'm just like a huge supporter of like coming out, whether it's to do another race, like the marathon or silver rush, 
um, you know, come for three days, see how you feel, see how yeah. you sleep those first couple of nights. Do you get a headache? Do you feel nauseous? Um, that way, that, that, then you know what to expect, and then you can just replicate it when you come for for the big day. Yeah, it's interesting, I guess. How, how I mean, is there a way, I guess, if you were to live in Leadville, but I mean, all the acclimation, like a practical, you know, you're not going to spend six months up there. So most people would come in a few days or, you know, maybe a week or two max. That's not really going to affect your body that much versus like the first time I did um, heavy half and was running up mosquito. It's mm-hmm. like Sinitis. I mean, you're basically running Sinitis. It's, it's, it's longer, but like the, the feeling you're getting is not like any feeling you've ever had. I mean, it's like you're, you have zero oxygen in your body and you're trying to, to run up this very steep mountain. So in your mind, like how much more important is it to just anticipate and know how you're going to feel versus the actual acclimation? Yeah, no, you're spot on. It's like, just know you're going to feel dizzy and hypoxic and, yeah. um, cause your body doesn't really change. Like certain people just don't ha- handle altitude well and, and like their protocols are, are different from the next person. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, it's tough. Yeah. So the actual acclimating process, <clears throat> um, is it as important as, as it is for Leadville, <clears throat> it's hard to do. Like, I mean, you can sleep in the tents, like the hypoxical brand tents, and but it's like, I don't know. You just got to be really fit, or the fittest that you can be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that there's a. I mean, like you read the. It's 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 fairly negligible. Like elite runners, I think like a mile time. I would have expected it to be, you know, like 20 seconds difference, but it's only like three or four seconds difference. So if you, which helped me mentally. Not that I'm some mm-hmm. elite runner by any stretch, but it was like there, there is a, there's a level of how you feel versus what's actually going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the first time I did, um, the heavy half up there, what I was so freaked out going in, like I was really, really just, you know, it's going to hurt. It's going to be terrible, this and that. And so I was pretty well mentally prepared and so even when I was feeling like there's no blood in my legs, I knew, you know, there, there is, there's oxygen in your legs, just keep going through it. And so I was able to kind of push through that and have a really good day. It was the next mm-hmm. year where I overestimated how I was going to feel to the good side. I just had a horrible day because it was like that, it was like that level of fear or something or whatever it was in me in that first year. I think that's, a. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's why Ironman Boulder, the full, Mm-hmm. didn't really survive as an event it was mm-hmm. because people want to set a PR, right? <laughs> like they're like, why would I come to Boulder and have yeah. this handicap that is thin air? That's a good, um, yeah. Yeah. But we, we have an amazing team of coaches and one of our coaches, um, Jay, who he's a doctor and sports physiologist. Um, every year he gives us like really in depth presentation on, on altitude training and, uh, yeah, he, he deep dives and to the, the science part of it. That's awesome. I, I failed to mention it's bolt, uh, boundless coaching is who, um, is who you're with up there, right? That's the name of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's the, yeah, we have, what's the website again? Uh, the website's boundless 10,200.com. And that 10,200 comes from the altitude of Leadville. It's right in the name people. 
and then our um, logo has a little pickaxe in the in the B, which is our uh, our roots of Leadville. Very nice. But yeah, yeah, we have an amazing team. We got thirteen coaches now. Um, we have a PhD in sports nutrition, John, who's done thirteen hundred mile races, just did Leadman. We have uh, Cat Bradley, Western States champion. Um, Kathy Pidcock, who's been coaching for like 30 years. Jill Becker, who still works for a lifetime. Um, Scott, another doctor. Yeah, we just had this like, I like to say it's a um, the perfect combination of education, experience, and passion. Because nice. it's kind of like our three little pillars of, of the coaches. So. Yeah, it's a very, very impressive coaching team. I was looking through the website and uh, – uh, I think your guys are going to be getting a call from me because I, it's still on my list. I broke my back last year. So I, it ultimately that's what pulled me out of, um, silver rush, but I, I still have it as a goal to, uh, to get back. How'd you out break back? Uh, I was doing, um, I was acting like a 16 year old at a pump track and went over a <laughs> massive jump and went over the handlebars. So it was kind of one of those freak, uh, my wife and I were doing the greens and I was just working on flow all day for like two hours. just all gas, no brakes. Valmont or Erie? No, it was over in Erie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was on the left side for like two hours, just going all gas, no brakes, flowy, no jumps whatsoever. And I had yeah. done the black and blue side the week before. So my wife was like, all right, let's, you know, we're done. Let's go grab some coffee. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let, hey, I'm just going to go do this one time. I was, <laughs> I was riding so well. Last run. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking that I was going from this little baby bouncy course to the big BMX, you know, massive jump. And so there's that tabletop jump right in the middle. And, uh, uh I think I know what you're talking about. And I just hit it full throttle. Like, and as I'm, as I'm go, I'm like, what have I, what are you, what are you doing? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was on a hard tail and I came down the oh other God. side and my back wheel hit the lip and it just uh -huh. flipped me right over the handlebars and just, I've, I've wrecked on my bike. Honest to God. 200 times and roll through it. No problem. I think it's the years of like football and wrestling. No problem. And, yeah. uh, I hit honestly, my bike was probably a good 50, 50 yards away. I mean, it, it just flew. And, uh, I got up, I took like one step and just had to lay back down. It, it just destroyed me. So luckily I was Very able fun. to, to get out, get to the hospital. I had fractured the L1 through L4. So I had to take six months off of pretty much everything. And, uh, yeah, so, but I'm back. Feel great. I mean, I, I would never even know I was injured. I feel really good now. So I'm going to start putting it all back together. Oh, Spend a good. lot of, yeah, just doing a lot of strength training and kind of kettlebells and just, you know, doing a ton of core and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, I, I will definitely be reaching out. So, uh, we normally do, uh, the old show was a 10 question dash, but I'm going to do a five question dash ready to answer some questions. Yeah. All right. Let people get to know you a little bit here. So, all right, we'll do a little background music here. All right. Question number one, what is, what's your favorite race that you've done in the past? I mean, I'm biased to the Leadville race series, but, um, I try to make it out to Moab, the dead horse. Okay. 30 K every fall. It's beautiful. LaSalle mountains, something about like the red rock and, and the white LaSalle mountains is pretty awesome. Yeah. Moab is so beautiful. I've had Justin Ricks on in the past and, talked about oh, yeah, 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 the races yeah 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 so stuff. his race yeah cool excellent uh what's a bucket list race that you haven't uh, that you'd love to <clears throat> i'm kind of burnt out on the 100 mile distance it's like so destructive <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
I would like to do, I think, UTMB and mm. then uh, run around Mont Blanc in France. Yeah, and that why would not? Be the, yeah, <clears throat> and, and just be like done with hundreds after that. Yeah, it's got to be just insane running in front of those crowds at that distance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been out there in Chamonix. It's pretty amazing. Nice. What's your, uh, do you have a go-to sports movie for inspiration? Uh, Without Limits, the one about Prefontaine mm-hmm. with uh, Billy Crudup. That's it was like me, me and my roommates like get pumped for long runs on the weekends or or before races or something. Is really that cool. is that what brought you to Oregon? Was was that sort of lore? No, not necessarily. My aunt lived out there, and I just loved visiting her and the trails and the mountains. And yeah, it's kind of the only thing I knew really. Yeah, I just I read um, Cam Haynes' book like a month ago, and uh, the Bow oh, Hunter. Yeah. He's been on Rogan a couple mm-hmm. of times, and just the. Just the way that he describes Oregon. I've been to Portland and, and Bend very briefly, but uh, yeah, I mean, just to really appreciate the the, the landscape of, of Oregon is just amazing. Yeah, it's different than Colorado. It's like, very yeah, especially cool. when you get it like the temperate rainforest side, it's like unreal. It's really cool. It is gorgeous. Uh, what's your worst experience racing or training? Um, I think like just the first thing that pops in my head was like doing the flat irons, like the climbing the third flat iron and uh, just having the right gear. Like for whatever reason, I threw my headlamp in there the one time and it took way longer than I thought. And I remember like rappelling down in the dark with just like the glow of the headlamp. It was the first time I had done like the, the third flat iron. So <laughs> just like reminding myself to be prepared with the right gear. Damn. Yeah. All right. What is, uh, what's some advice you'd give to your younger self? Um, take more risks, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a lot of regrets. Um, would you have gone to coaching earlier, either as hiring a coach or, or career wise? I don't think so. Cause like I had, I needed that like office job experience out of college to show me that's what I don't want. And I only lasted like a year in that role. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of regrets. Yeah. Oh, good. That's, that's not a, that's (laughs) not a bad way to live your life, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Any, uh, any parting words or thoughts? Um, check out boundless. Yeah, definitely check out Boundless. Yeah, I mean, seriously, the seventy percent finish rate is is beyond um, impressive. Like that is, you know, when you're when you're doing a race like Leadville, especially, this isn't you know a massive time commitment, but also financially, you know, you're it's not like you're just dropping into Leadville and doing a race real quick. So I think if you're you know as far as protecting your investment, uh, that type of thing, definitely check out mm-hmm. Boundless. Um, uh, and it's Boundless. 10, 10, 220. Is that what it was again? 10,200. 10, yeah. 10,200.com. Boundless10,200.com. Um, where can Boundless people... Endurance on Instagram. Boundless Endurance? Mm-hmm. Okay. On Instagram. That's yeah. what I was going to ask next. So that's, uh, is that the best place to find you? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Ryan, it has been a pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's nice to catch up with you again. We'll have yeah, to I haven't seen you to... for a while. Appreciate yeah, it. Kidding. We'll have this to have to grab a run or a coffee or something. 
Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that is the show, everyone. Thanks again to Ryan Kroll. We do a post for each episode on Instagram. Uh, so look for the post for episode 46 with a great picture of Ryan. If you have any comments or questions, we are at Faster Forward Show. Or you can shoot me an email to troy at busot.com. That's B-U-S-O-T. If you uh, if you got value from today's show, please shoot, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, tweet it, post about it, give us a rating and review. You get it. Um, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, everyone, keep it moving faster forward. <music>